You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Hey, everybody. It's Katherine. Sorry, you just get me this week with a little bit of Brooke Gowdy sprinkled in. Uh, I am sitting on my couch after flying in from Sea Otter at about 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, a very early flight. And we had the chance, I was there with Sarah Gross and we were doing an engagement with BMC. And then we had the chance to talk to a lot of the riders in the Grand Prix and watch the race. I was actually only going to stay until the halfway point of the race yesterday because we were flying out uh, very early in the morning uh, and had a drive and we wanted to go see the beach. But I got so excited about the race that I couldn't leave. So stayed all the way to the end. It was really fun. It was the first mountain bike race I've ever seen. So you're going to get to hear a lot of interviews from Sea Otter, a compilation. And I think you can hear the excitement of the beginning of the Grand, the race season in the Grand Prix. Uh, the other thing is you'll hear Brooke pop in. She does, does an interview on there. Uh, I'll also post one on our Instagram. I forgot to record the audio at the same time as the video, but it's a really fun interview that she does. So I'll post it on our Instagram. And... One of the themes you're going to see is I talked to a lot of the women about what they are excited about in the future of women's sport. And it was really fun to get all of those answers. You know, this has been a big couple of years. I think last year, the Grand Prix, the Tour de France bombs. This year, we're seeing things like with how big uh, the women's basketball with NCAA was this year. Um, and just people are watching women's sports. And so it's an exciting time to be involved in this. And I just want to get a lot of these women's opinions on it. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, we will be, I'll be back with Christy next week and we'll be talking to you soon. One of the most frustrating things about going to big gravel races in the last few years is I have been getting sick pretty much every time I travel. And I travel about once a month for work or to a big gravel event or something related. And it's so frustrating when I get there and I can already feel the sore throat and the cold coming on, and it really takes me out for several weeks. And that's why I'm excited about our new podcast sponsor, Prevenex. We've worked with Prevenex within our feisty brands for a long time. If you listen to Hit Play Not Pause, you've heard about joint support. Um, you've also heard about how their great protein powder, but I am really obsessed with this product called Immune Health Plus. It has helped me go from getting sick every time I travel to I've not been sick one time this year. And, and I've also been on the road a good bit already this year. So it has everything that you need for immune health support, and it's way better than anything you're going to find in a grocery store or health food store. It's supercharged with immune-boosting ingredients like elderberry fruit, extract, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and calcium. Now, if you want to stay healthy through your race season this year, you're going to use the code Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off your first purchase of Immune Health Plus or any of their other products. That's Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off of your purchase. And you go to Prevanex.com. You can find that in the show notes. All right, friends. I am still here in Expo at Sea Otter. And I found maybe the only person that's taller than me in the entire Lifetime Grand Prix series. That's a woman. I have Hannah Shell with me. How are you doing, Hannah? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, you're racing tomorrow, correct? 
That's correct. Um, and you're the only one. You're well, one of the few not in your kit, kitted out here today. So I am not in my kit. That's true. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Um, how are you feeling coming into the series this year? feeling a lot better than last year um, you know it's been really cool to be back at sea otter and ride the mountain bike course and feel how much more confident i am on the bike you know i think i think i still have a long way to go in terms of mountain bike skills but just not being scared and actually feeling like i'm looking forward to the race it's, it's a big difference yeah um did i see that you and your husband have been living in a van with two cats Yes, you did. <laughs> Not a van, though. It's a trailer. <laughs> and is that because it's been bad weather in Colorado? You wanted to train better places? Or to, how did this happen? Yeah, yeah, pretty much exactly. We left Colorado December 31st. We had like a three-week trip planned to California. Um, we brought our cats, because why wouldn't you? And um, it was just terrible weather in Colorado. So when we were going to go home, we were like, well, what if we went to Tucson? And then we just didn't go home. So. just haven't got home yet. Got home. So now the cats live in a trailer. Yeah, they're like, they're at the limit that they can handle the trailer. We're going home on Sunday and they, like, I get back and they look at me and they're just like, we hate this. So. Well, litter boxes in a trailer also can be. Oh, it, like, I can't even begin to explain how many times I sweep the floor a day. And I still find cat litter everywhere. I know. I know. It's, it's the curse of the cats. I used to have two cats. Um, okay. I also have been asking everybody, uh, because I feel like last year was such a pivotal year for women's cycling. And now we're even seeing it all through women's sport, I think, like the NCAA basketball, um, the soccer team getting equal pay, all the things that are happening right now. So um, you raced, obviously, on the road. Uh, how are you feeling about what's happening in women's sport and specifically women's cycling right now? feel really good and really excited about it yeah um you know because you brought up that I come from the road background um watching what the NCL is doing on the road is super cool seeing women like Haley Bates who they're making a full-time salary from cycling now and now they're like really finding their own and coming into their performances it's just super cool it gives me goosebumps talking about it because I feel like we're getting to the point where it's becoming very professional and the racing's just so good right now too it's fun to watch yes yeah. Okay, which of the races in this series are you most excited about? Unbound and the Rad. I'm yeah. super excited about, yeah. It's in your backyard, basically, so. It is, yeah. And, you know, Unbound for me, I know it's probably a lot of people say it's their favorite, but it's just a cool event. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like it. Yeah. What are you most excited for? Um, I'm, I'm always excited for Unbound because it feels like a big family reunion. Exactly. So. Yeah. Everybody from, like, friends that are coming in to do their very first bike race ever to catching up with the female pros and the energy around it. It's so fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we are looking forward to seeing you this season. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us. Great to see you. Yeah, excited. Okay, friends, we are at the Lifetime Grand Prix. Apparently, there's a presentation happening in a second, but I've grabbed Starla Tedder-Green, which if you saw, she was on our Instagram, and um, you are racing your first, is this your first race of the season tomorrow? Um, no, this will be my, wait, second or third, third race of the season. <laughs> okay. Well, if people haven't heard your story, it's on the podcast and on our Instagram now, and it is hot here, and you said that you can have trouble in the heat with your illness, so, I mean, how do you approach that knowing, like, it's not great conditions for you? Like, give us some mindset trip tips. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely heat sensitive now, and body doesn't perform well in the heat, so I'm really just focusing on my energy on the controllables and not worrying about what's out of my control. I mean, I'll obviously try to 
hydrate as well as possible and throw some cold water on myself to help out and we'll just kind of yeah see how the body does tomorrow okay well i think they need you for something official now so thanks for talking to us thank you okay i have found hannah otto who is always a favorite of ours to talk to it's good to see you hannah thanks so much i'm excited to be here uh, you decided to come back for the Grand Prix this year. Uh, what made you decide to do that? In sport, I just love the challenge, and I just want to race against people who make me the best athlete that I can be. So the Grand Prix definitely fulfills that aspect of my life and my purpose in the sport. Awesome. Are you? So when we talked on the podcast, and this was, gosh, over a year ago, you were looking for a 2028 Paris. Is that still on the radar, or have you changed goals there? Absolutely, yeah. I'm still... 2024, yeah, absolutely. I'm still on the Olympic chase. I'll be going back and forth between the Lifetime Grand Prix and the World Cups in Europe. So I'm super excited, and I think that's a cool thing about the series is it pulls athletes from every possible, you know, World Cup, World Tour, Gravel, Pro Road. Like, we have all the best athletes coming to mesh in one place here. Yeah, I love that. And then I, as you were saying that, I was like, oh, I bet mountain bikers, like people feel very stressed about the schedule of the Grand Prix, but for you all, you race so much. It probably just feels like, oh, well, it's another race thrown in. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've always raced from February to October, so I feel like the duration of the season is definitely pretty standard, but the intensity and the desire to perform your very best at every single event is continually growing. Okay, so I've been asking everybody because I feel like, women's sport in general especially women's cycling in the last year like it's just the level of competition also the eyes on it like it's becoming its own thing what are what have you seen from competing at a very high level in mountain bike like where do you think women's sport is going right now i think women's sport is the most exciting sport to watch right now i mean a different woman won every single race last year it just shows that all of us are strong and so on race day it's anybody's game and i think that's what's so exciting about racing you won Leadville last year, right? I did. Are you wanting to go back to reclaim that title? Absolutely. I feel like I have to. I'm so excited to step into Leadville as the reigning champ. I think that alone is just, uh, it just gives me chills and excitement to even think about. That's awesome. Um, anybody, anybody that's coming in the series new that you have your eye on this year that you're like, oh, I got to watch out for her? To be honest, I actually haven't looked up any of the new names very intentionally because I feel like I already have enough competition as it is. And so I know that I'm going to be able to, I'm going to be forced to perform at my very best. And it doesn't matter who's on my wheel. I just hope to try and beat them. Well, we cannot wait to watch you this year. You're always such a positive force uh, for women's cycling. So thank you for taking a minute to talk to us. Thank you so much. You already got hers. All right, friends, I am in the Sea Otter meet and greet for the Lifetime Grand Prix Series, and I have found somebody that I've been following on Instagram for a while because she tags us in a lot of her posts, and they all look really fun. So I have Julie Momber with me. Hi, Julie. How's it going? Good. It's great to meet you, finally, in real life. You too. Uh, so this is, you're the first year in the, the uh, Grand Prix. What made you decide to apply? I just thought there are a lot of really cool events, and yeah, just... It's really fun to travel the country and see new places and race on a really high level with all these fast ladies. Where's home base for you? Uh, Prescott, Arizona. Okay, so you, you get a lot of the off-road scene down there for riding. Yep, for sure. And your reels are always great, so we can sell that. Um, and have you done a lot of gravel riding? Uh, I'm kind of half and half. I do a little gravel, but mostly mountain biking, so I like to mix it up. And how long have you been riding on the elite circuit? 
I've been riding at a high level probably the last like two, three years, but just kind of slowly easing into a little bit more elite status. So, yeah. That's really cool. And then which of the races are you looking the most forward to this year? I really loved Leadville last year, so really excited about that. And this race seems really cool, too, because... Yeah, it's a lot of single track, and it's a little bit rowdy just with, like, the ruts and uh, just the fast pace as well. So, Well, we are looking forward to getting to know you this season and watching you out on the courses. So thanks for taking a minute to talk to us. Awesome. Great to meet you in person. <laughs> All right, folks. You just heard her on the podcast last week, but I have found Anna Yamauchi, and I said it correctly, in real life. How are you doing, Anna? I'm doing great. It's fun to be here. You've been really excited about this race because it's kind of in your backyard, right? Yes, exactly. I feel right at home on these trails. Um, And as we heard last time, you're not doing Unbound, so this will be your race, and then the next one will be Crusher? Will that be your next race? Yeah, I have some other non-Grand Prix things, and honestly... Uh, Unbound is still up in the air, so we'll see, but taking oh, oh. time. You better not tell Christy that. She'll be sending your professor's <laughs> know, notes exactly. to get you out of finals. Trying to keep the whole thing just under wraps. We'll see. Unfortunately, you just said it on our podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, how Do you get nervous coming into these things? Um, yes and no. I think my nerves right now are pretty in check, but like this race just feels different after a couple good results this season, so... I'm kind of just antsy at this point. Get it done. And what's your strategy? Are you going to go up to the front and like go off hard? Or are you going to... Yeah, I think just focus on the start and then settle in. But hopefully I can be one of the first couple wheels going into the single track and just go from there and play it by ear. Do you have a race in the series that you're looking forward to the most? Um, I think this might be one of them. Um, definitely each race has a different challenge. I feel most comfortable here, but I think something like Leadville is the most challenging and mo- kind of intimidating thing in a way. So everything's different, but and I'm excited most about that. Okay, I ask you this a little bit on the podcast, but uh, I've been asking everybody here. So uh, women's sport is taking a huge shift this year with the NCAA, with cycling in the past year with the Tour de France Femmes. How does it feel to be a woman in sport right now with everything that's going on? Um, I think it's pretty special. I just took a picture with like three young girls and finally like kind of realizing that I can have an impact in the sport is really special and to be kind of in the midst of it all right now is pretty cool. So yeah, that's exciting. Well, we can't wait to watch you this season and we're big Anna fans now. So thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to us. Thanks. Good chatting with you. All right, I am here in the Grand Prix area for at Lifetime Sea Otter, and I have found Emily Newsom. Hi, Emily. Hi. Okay, I uh, we talked to you a tiny bit at Big Sugar. It was a very emotional moment. Your daughter was with you. Uh, but I want to get, now that you've kind of seen this past season and see what's happening in women's cycling, and I think in women's sport in general, I really want to get your perspective as a longtime cyclist of where you think the women's field is going. Yeah, I was actually riding with somebody yesterday, and we were talking about women's cycling in general, and he said, you know, it's a good time to be a woman cyclist. And I was like, yeah, you know, you're right, because we've had to fight so hard, of course, to get to where we are, and we're standing on the shoulders of a lot of women who've worked so hard. But we are getting opportunities, we're getting equal payout, we're getting equal attention, equal media. And yeah, there's still some work to be done, but it's all happening. And what's even better is there's a lot of excitement around it. So like the, the you know, 
views are up on all the, the races that are being um, broadcasted. So it's pretty obvious that the desire to follow and support women's cycling is there. Yeah, it is. It's really fun. And also the level of competition, I think, is just so good. You know, it's not one one finishes and then another one's far behind. Like, it's actually racing that's happening. And it's, I think it's more fun to watch the guys right now. I would agree on the level for sure. And I noticed that in road and in gravel, I'm, I'm still kind of new to mountain bike, but for sure it's there too. Uh, and like you said, yeah, it's a fight, and it's not like one person is going to be way ahead of everybody else. It's a, it's a legit race all the way to the finish. What do you hope is the future for your daughter if she decides to go into racing? Gosh, I just, you know, I think I feel so privileged that I can make a living doing this. And yes, I, I know I deserve it, but yet at the same time, it's such a blessing to do something you love and be paid for it. And so my hope for her is that if she wants to, she can, versus looking at it and wondering, uh, do I take this dive? I'm not sure if I'll actually make a living doing this. But she can look at it and be like, oh, you know, if I want to, I can. Yeah, that's really great. Okay, last question. Um, which race are you looking forward to the most this year? Uh, you know, Big Sugar is probably my favorite. I love that one, and it's the last one, so... Probably. It's like a big celebration at the end of it because everybody's like done. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, you know, aiming to peak later in the season, so I think I'll still be feeling pretty good then. So I would say that's the one I'm most looking forward to. Well, we can't wait to watch you race this year. Thanks for taking some time to talk. You're welcome. Okay, friends, I am at Sea Otter, and I have, it was not hard to find Isabel King, because always all in orange. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm, good. I'm glad, people can't see, but you just grab the microphone, which I like, you take control. Sure. <laughs> okay, so this is your second year in the Grand Prix, right? It is, returning for round two. And um, I'm so excited about the quality of women's racing and where it's going. Uh, ignore the paparazzi beside me. Sarah's <laughs> taking pictures. <laughs> but, um, but the quality of women's racing and where it's going, like, and you've, you've been fairly new to the cycling scene, but what have you seen since you kind of came on during the pandemic as far as the field developing? I mean, it's insane just the, the level that's picked up in the last, I guess this will be my third year racing. Um, my first year, I'm, I'm pretty thankful that I entered when I did. I feel like I timed it right because I was actually able to have a little bit of success finishing top 10 in some of the biggest races. And then last year, I went faster in every race and finished significantly worse in the placings. So I think that's probably indicative of uh, I got faster and everybody else got a lot faster. <laughs> so it's been fun. I think it definitely makes you... Uh, makes you raise your level. Okay, uh, did you know that Paula Finley tried to get your QOM in? Mandeville, I did. Well, I was told I was told there was a video of it, and so I went and watched it, and I was like, oh, man, she went pretty fast. Uh, it was cool. Like, she's so strong, and so it was, a, it was a fun thing to see. She didn't get it, though, did she? She, she did not. Do you still I have it? I have it. Um, I do think, like, she'll probably come back for that one. Uh, the funny, she was giving me crap in her podcast for drafting, and then the video starts, and she's drafting off Eric, and I was like, you're allowed to give me crap, but don't draft. Like, you're allowed to draft. Just don't give me crap. It's triathletes. Triathletes. <laughs> come on. <laughs> well, um, do you have a race that you're looking forward to the most in the series this year? I really enjoy Unbound. Um, I think it's a really 
I don't know, I'm kind of a diesel engine, so if I can uh, get a better start this year, I do think like I feel pretty good in the latter half of those races. Um, races, I'm hoping that it's hot. Racing where it's cold and muddy is less my thing because I live in Los Angeles, so it's a desert. Um, yes, I'm excited about that. I really enjoyed Big Sugar last year. I'm hoping to have a little bit better fitness. Um, I think last year, like, I kind of got overwhelmed and burned out in August and August is a long time from the end of the season so trying to manage it a little bit better and, and pick and choose uh, the races that I can actually do well at. I think it probably for you coming back it's an advantage because it's a long season and understanding how to pace that is going to be an advantage. Yeah totally like I learned so much last year and uh, little things that I was doing wrong and things that people have probably known since they were 15 and you know, I do still feel relatively new. Uh, so take what I learned last year and try and uh, put those to put those to help this year. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time. We can't wait to watch you this year. It's always a joy to watch you and the positivity you bring. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Hi, this is Brooke Gowdy, and I am here with Girls Gone Gravel interviewing Lisa Leslie. I was so... <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, has been one of my heroes. I remember when she got into cycling and Catherine called me <laughs> and she was like, oh, you've got to check out this woman. She's cycling. And I was like, oh my God. And so now we are here at Sea Otter and I'm standing in your presence and I want to talk to you about cycling. I'm a big cyclist. You just got into it. Tell us how, why? Well, you know what? For me, uh, it really started when I retired from basketball, I've always been on a bike and not really associating it with riding, whether it's been indoor or outdoor cycling. But I've always been on a bike, whether it's warming up or doing a 30-minute you know, workout. But it never really connected to me that once I retired, it would be something, a way of life for me. I think that when I started to get back on the bike was definitely during the pandemic. And I think for the mental and just having that control of getting outdoors out on the bike, it really changed it for me. It changed my life. Um, and being out there on that bike, it really felt empowering, I think, more than anything else. Uh, and even though I would ride with my family, with my husband and kids, um, I really enjoyed it. Once the pandemic came to an end, if it ever did, um, I then went back indoors with cy indoor cycling. And so indoor cycling is something that, again, I really love, I'm passionate about. Um, my mom came down with cancer, not came down with, but she was diagnosed with cancer. And that really was something that was just like, again, another outlet for me to get inside and cycling. Then having a, a cycling indoor and outdoor company with uh, Jelenu, this is an apparel that was really right up my alley. It's an apparel that, uh, as I told you, we have a, a designer who is a former Chanel designer who it's all about style and fit, but it's made for women by women. And I love that. And it's, again, another way to empower women. So if I could inspire other women to get on their bike, whether it's indoor or outdoor, and especially for women in the African-American community, we don't see a lot of us in this space. Um, I thought, why not use my voice and my platform to help spread the word? So Jelenu is uh, my brand. Uh, it's a cycling brand that is really great for, again, being out there on the bike, but it's made for our bodies to help you perform. It has the curves that you need for your body to not have to pull and, and, and have to readjust all of, uh, you know, your your apparel while you're riding a bike and it really had women in mind so I'm really excited to be in this space. Well I have to tell you the whole line looks amazing. I'm all about style. I'm all about putting on an outfit when I get on my bike and the femininity of my look and getting on the bike so that's really important to me and your brand looks great. 
Um, Catherine, did you have any other questions? I I, well, I'm just curious. <laughs> Brooke has my microphone. But uh, obviously, you come from a basketball background. I've been asking all the women I've talked to this. Um, this past couple of years, we've just seen women's sports exploding and kind of coming to the forefront. And so even maybe as you're seeing what's happening in cycling um, with the Tour de France Femmes and all that, like what, what is your hope for the future of women's sport right now? I think for us to continue to make our space on this planet, like I always say it's not our fault that we were born girls. We're here to play and to be involved. And yes, basketball is where I started. And again, even in that platform, I knew that it was bigger than just me that I was having an opportunity to be a role model for so many young girls and women. And here we are now, as we're older, we're these women that we still have to inspire young people to um, not take second, you know, in the back seat in anywhere, in any sport. So I'm really happy where women's basketball, as we saw with college basketball, and those young women out there performing and fighting hard and talking trash and just changing, what are the nine million views? Like, that was the most in women's college basketball game. Like, I love that. So I also love that women are supporting women, and that's really um, something that we have to continue to rally around and do that. That's why I stopped to do your podcast with this, you know, one minute you ask me, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? Because in order to show that women can support women and that we can elevate each other, we have to actually, it's an action that we have to do. So I'm excited about the space that we're in. And then in women's cycling, the same thing. It's a space where there's not a lot of apparel for women in cycling, especially outdoor cycling. So there's a niche there that we can meet, but we can look good while doing it. And hopefully that's what our brand shows that we did take the time to look at a woman's body and it's specifically made for her. They're not a second thought. Um, and uh, yeah, so so let's go. I'm like, empowering women is where it is right now. Thanks for taking time to talk to us. All right. Thank you. Guys thank for you. Okay, y'all. This is very exciting. We are here in the start finish, and I have run into Nikki Peterson, which, Nikki, you were helped us a long time ago during the pandemic with some little uh, DEI gravel summer things. Yeah, and I was also on Rosa's podcast when we surprised her for that, too. Yes, so. yes, yes. I totally forgot. Yeah. Um, in the last best ride. Yes, yes, so many things um, all out of my brain right now. But uh, this has been an exciting morning. We just watched the women go off, and you are a mountain biker, so I wanted to get the scoop for our audience. How does this race work? Like, what's different from a gravel race about a mountain bike race? Um, well, kind of tell us, talk us through the course first, and then maybe give us what's different in race tactics than you would have in a gravel bike race. Yeah, so I rode the course a couple times yesterday. Um, it's really rutted this year from the rain. Typically, CR is thought of as not a very technical course, but I think it might change a bit this year with the ruts, just because it's really important to get into that single track. Um, so some of the difference is this race is going to go out really, really hard, even though it's long, because they're fighting for that single track position. Yeah. So not to interrupt, but so if people are looking online and they're seeing we're on a, like it looks like we're on a racetrack, which we are, yeah. it starts like on a racetrack and then they're going to funnel into that single track, right? Yeah, so it's a paved climb. It kind of goes into a sand pit, which sometimes can be a little <laughs> gnarly right in the beginning, but these ladies all know their lines. They have backup lines. They're dialed for that section. Okay. And then what is the rest of the course? It's two laps, right? It's two laps, yeah, so you have time to familiar, familiarize yourself with it. Um, so it's a lot of single track. Most of the gravel is downhill, so they're also going to be really strategic about where they fuel and where they attack. Um, but the single track is going to really make or break the race because you can gap someone, especially if you get someone that doesn't have as great of technical skills in front of you. It can really gap the rest of the field. 
Okay. So if you're racing, your goal would be to try to stay, if, if you can't get out in the very front, just try to stay as close as you can to the front group and then where there are opportunities to pass, to pass up to front. Is that right? And you can pass on single track. You just have to call it out and go. So if you're experienced with that, if you're a mountain biker out there, you're used to doing that. So it's an advantage too. So the gravel cyclists you're saying might struggle. Pure gravel cyclists are going to struggle a little more here. Yeah, except for the interesting part is they usually can get out really hard into the single track. So that's why it breaks the race up so much. So it's a really cool dynamic with all the different skill sets here. Oh, very exciting. Well, what are you up to this year? Um, I'm out here with Reno Devo and the Nevada North NICA League. Um, I did a ride with Kate Courtney and about 40 girls yesterday to get more girls on bikes. And I'm just uh, socializing, cheering on my friends racing out there and seeing friends like you. Awesome. I um, stalked Kate Courtney yesterday because my niece is a super fan. So I made her take a picture with me right before she started that ride. Yes, that's so amazing. <laughs> well, thanks so much for talking us through the race, and it's great to see you. Yeah, you too. Okay, I am super excited because I just pulled Leah Davison away from her job. <laughs> uh, Leah is one of the race announcers this year. Congratulations, Leah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so excited to join Sea Otter Classic in a different role this year. So uh, you have officially retired now, is that true? Yep, I have officially retired from elite competition. And race announcing was one of the things you wanted to do, why is that? Uh, I just, I feel like I've always, I'm an extrovert and I love to talk to people and about people, so it was kind of a natural fit. Um, yeah, and, and I'm really getting a lot of great experience here for my first time at Sea Otter. Yeah, you've been doing great. I've been following you around all weekend and listening to all your interviews and stuff. And, and knowing all what's happening, I mean, that really helps to give yeah. the inside perspective. Yeah, I, I feel like I have a lot of knowledge to share. I've had 20 years of racing experience, and I also am very passionate about getting female voices out there and elevating these female racers. So, um, yeah, what a better person to do it than me, right. being a female racer, and they're all my friends. Yes. Okay, well, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. I've been talking to everybody this weekend because in the past year, you've seen it, like everything in women's sports, from the tour to NCAA, it's just exploding. What do you see the opportunity in cycling, uh, being in this for 20 years right now? Um, <laughs> eating an apple, so that's why. Well, that's why there's a little break. I got her with her mouthful. I got Lee on her snack break. I know. This is my snack break. Uh, it's really a great moment, I feel like, for all sports right now because there's a raised awareness for inclusion, um, not of only women, but um, all different types of underprivileged, traditionally discriminated against groups, right? So um, I love to see that companies and race organizers are now thinking differently about these issues and, and we're starting to see a little bit of change and we still need more change. Exactly. Um, I know another one of your passions is diversity, especially with the queer community. It's been a really hard season. How, what do you think that races like this are doing to create safe spaces? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's so tough right now, especially with trans kids getting attacked. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough time for the queer community in our country. And if we can provide, these races can provide a safe haven for, for these kind of um, groups, phenomenal. It, is it happening? Yes and no. Um, I can tell you from my personal experience, you know, going into the U.S. Cup in Fayetteville in 21, 
Uh, it was when all those anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ plus um, legislation was coming through. And for the first time, I did not feel safe, you know, at showing up to a race. And I was nervous about that. And so I, you know, I had um, trans tattoos to put on, you know, pride flag tattoos. And then I decided, you know what, I don't, I go home at the end of the day with my wife and I'm a little bit nervous about that. So I'm not going to wear those. I just want to focus on racing. And it was amazing to, to see my fellow racers show up for me and um, wear those pride flags, you know, wear those trans flags. So just like actions like that alone are really meaningful. And I was at the start line and I saw a huge, someone waving a huge pride flag and I thought, okay, I'm good. Yeah. You know, all of my worry went out the window. And so just small actions like that create a more inclusive space. I, I think that's really important for people to hear. When you're somebody that's at the highest level of sport and you feel fearful of showing up to a start line, like imagine a kid that this is their first time ever showing up. Yeah, yeah I know. It's really important. Like people don't realize that even if you're wearing a little sticker or, you know, a pin, that, that makes all the difference. Well, we would love to have you on the full episode to talk, get really deep into this. I know it's a heavy conversation for your snack break, but I really appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate all you're doing um, for women and marginalized communities in this space. And thank you so much for taking a few minutes. Yeah, thanks for having me. To live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age, which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? Which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax-free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, Visit InsideTracker.com slash Feisty. That's InsideTracker.com slash Feisty. All right, friends. I am still at the start line of the Seattle Classic. Some age groupers are going off now, and I have run into Michelle Duffy, who is, she does all the marketing things for Lifetime. How are you doing today, Michelle? I am super excited to be here. Um, of course, this is for packed days of racing fun, and it's also amazing to kick off the Lifetime Grand Prix this morning. It feels like a culmination of a lot of work. Okay, so we're in year two of the Lifetime Grand Prix, um, and I know that you, your hands are on a lot of that series and designing it. And um, I have to say, last year I was so impressed at the way it brought the level of women's racing up. Was that one of your, I know you have to be for everybody because you're Lifetime, but was that one of your goals? Absolutely. That was always a priority um, from the launch of the Lifetime Grand Prix was to ensure that we were providing equal or better exposure for the women than we've seen um, ever before. And it seems like 
in sport in general, this past year we've seen a big shift in women's sports. Some people watching women's sports and being excited about women's sports. What role do you see the series playing in that? Well, we hope that the series begins to attract the cycling enthusiasts beyond just the cycling fan and I hope that those cycling enthusiasts many of which are women come into the sport and uh, we're positioning these Grand Prix riders as heroes for others to look at um, you know we have athletes competing in the Lifetime Grand Prix who are also students we have athletes in the Grand Prix who are full-time working mothers and I hope that cycling enthusiasts male female non-binary, whatever their background may be, come in and look at these women as heroes in um, the balance that they're able to to commit to um, with this series. Is there any uh, rider that maybe is a little under the radar that you're pretty excited about to see what she does this year? Oh, great question. I think it's going to be really interesting because we have more of an international field, and so there's some unfamiliarity around who some of those in internationals are as they haven't ever competed in a race in the United States before. So I think those are some of our kind of dark horses. But um, additionally, there is um, a few here from the U.S., like Deanna Miles, who had an amazing showing last year. I think she'll be one to really watch on the mountain bike. Um, you know, I think we've seen some up-and-coming riders from last year who are going to have a breakout year this year. So while there may be in year two, we're going to see them at the front of the pack. I'd include, you know, Is King is already coming out this season strong. Paige Onweller ended last year with a bang, and I think she wants to put her nose in it to be in the top five. So we'll see. Yeah, it seems like there's an advantage if you did it last year because you're going to understand how to pace the season, and it is a long season. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, and I forgot to mention Anna Yamuchi, so I think she's going to be amazing, and uh, that was totally remiss on my part, yeah. but yes. We just had her on the podcast, and I, I've definitely got my eye on her, and, and just her spirit and her positive attitude and everything. Absolutely, yeah. She's super fun. Yeah. Um, I know they're all your baby, but is there one race you're most excited about this year? Oh, that'll. that's a... Heavy question. You know, they're all my baby, and often I'm asked, which is my favorite event? And like, I feel like my answer is a moving target, depending on what's going on and what time of the year we're in. I think having the rad in there, an event that's like totally under the radar, and I you know tongue-in-cheek for us to say grassroots, but the most grassroots event that Lifetime produces to bring the riders out to that community. Trinidad is a community similar to that of Emporia or Leadville, um, off people's radar, but absolutely stunning, beautiful um, community-oriented ghost town now in a new boom that's really exciting for me from an experiential perspective and then uh, Big Sugar just the energy that goes into the finale last year was unlike any other event and I am looking forward to that yeah everybody just seemed to be ready to celebrate at the end of that race which was really fun yeah that was just like all the hard work that went in for the athlete for our staff for everyone to come together and be able to celebrate that together you know our a lot of our staff are more um, behind the scenes and they don't get those moments. So it was also amazing. We don't talk about them enough um, for them to be able to celebrate their wins as well. Well, we appreciate you and your staff and all that you all are doing because we know these opportunities don't happen without people like you driving that. So thank you so much and thanks for taking some time to talk to us. Heck yeah. Okay, I am in my maybe most interesting recording spot yet <laughs> at the race. For Seattle. I am an Amanda Nauman's camper truck. Is that what this is? What am I in? Yeah, yeah. you're in a pop-top truck, four-wheel camper shell that I just picked up a couple days ago, and I turned it into a little recording studio. <laughs> I, I was like, are you sleeping in here? She's like, no, it's just my studio. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. I don't know. I'd set it up. I've done one so far here, but we'll see how it goes. Kind of by the start line. 
But yeah, today's exciting. It's the kickoff of the Lifetime Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah, so we've been texting back and forth um, a bunch this season about racing, and it's here. Like the big, the big se- series that we're, we're waiting for is here. And so um, I don't know. Now that you're starting to see people on the course, they're halfway through. What are you thinking so far? It's a lot more spread out than I expected, but I mean, it is a bit of a longer race this year. And I thought that the front group would be a little bit bigger than the front five that are there. So. Yeah, we'll see how it shakes out on the second half. I think the difference with lap two is that they do the extra, what was the start loop last year, they do the little bit added at the beginning of lap two. So there's technically a little bit more single track on the second lap that might spread people out. But yeah, so far so good. It's exciting. It's fun to see everything kicking off. And I think there were a lot of nerves in the beginning, obviously, as it is with the first race of anything. So um, yeah, fun to watch it so far. Okay, you've had a ton of conversations. We talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but um, with, like, how does this series help the women? What's going on with women's racing? Now that we're kind of, we're starting to kick off the season, we're seeing what's happening. Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on where we are and what's possible this season? I think the women are racing well. I think the fan base has definitely grown. That's the coolest part for me is I think last year it was kind of a wait and see how it went. And the one thing great about the call of a lifetime is that it showed personalities, it told stories, and it kind of gave this narrative to help people have something as a baseline to start following along this year. Whereas last year it was like, okay, it's all these racers. We kind of know some of their stories and now we know them a little bit more. We followed them on Instagram and they're telling, I think, a little bit more of their stories on their own channels, which is great. And that's the best part of all of this is just getting to know them more and see, like, we are invested in the racing then. So we want to know how it shakes out because it's these people that we care about, we know more about. And, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just exciting and it's great to see people care more about the women's racing. Yeah. We put a post out on social media that was a quote that you said on the podcast about um, how it was so important to follow women and asking people to tag a woman, which... Ironically, I accidentally put your handle in wrong. <laughs> it's mostly because I can't see. Um, but um, uh, you and we had so many women tagged in that post, probably 100 women tagged in that post. So it does show me that women do want to support each other. And often it's just like you don't know, right? Because it's not as easy to find that information or to go follow a team or something like that. You have to be a little bit more either see somebody on social or, or find them or follow them. But it, it is like... I think women are really wanting to support each other. Yeah, for sure. And that the main part of that comment was from a business standpoint, it is so important to how they get support and sponsorship nowadays. And I think before, you know, it's a bit of a storytelling platform, obviously, but more so it's like Instagram stuff is written into contracts and it matters how much like everyone is paying attention to these women because then the companies will invest more in them. And I think all of the conversations about like, oh, the men are getting paid so much. Like it's not necessarily being said, all oh, the women are getting paid so much too. And I think that might start shifting a little bit more, which is rad. But in order for that to happen, the numbers that these companies are looking at are like follower engagement reach. And it's a necessary evil to say that that stuff matters, but in a sense it does. So go, go follow the women. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so you've done the Seattle 
thing a lot. This is my first year. Um, what do you, like, I've heard, talked to a lot of people that have said, like, the energy here seems really good this year. There seems to be a good vibe. The industry, even though there's all the talk of the industry's in a hard place, but there seems to be a lot of hope here. What are, what are you feeling being here? Yeah, a ton of hope, a ton of new faces, a lot of people that have never been here before. A lot of the industry brands that I've talked to have said, this is basically now what Interbike used to be. And this is the first Sea Otter that I've seen, like, little meeting rooms set up in a lot of the booths, which was normal for Interbike. That was where all, like, the meeting stuff happened, and you met with your dealers and so on and so forth. But it's cool to see this become more of a necessary thing for the brands to be able to meet everyone, and it's become this gigantic hub of of everything bikes, and it's rad to see it be so big this year. And it's just a good place for everyone to come and athletes to see their sponsors and sponsors to to be able to connect you know a a lot of people have said to me like oh it's great to put a face to a name you know and I think that that's important for athletes to be able to have that relationship with the brands that they work with and not just emails back and forth (laughs) absolutely yeah it seems like everybody is here um, okay, well, you're doing a bunch of podcasts, so people can follow Grodio to get some of your inside scoop. You got any, anybody good we should know about coming up? Yeah, I'm going to have Paige Onweller. I just did Cecily Decker uh, for a Scuderia Pinarello team. And then I'm going to have Chelsea Bolton on, who's on the Ventum team, uh, a little bit later today. So, yeah, three of those women, a few guys as well sprinkled in there, but trying to get some of the the women that either aren't in the Grand Prix also or are new to the Grand Prix this year and are making a name for themselves. I I really need to do yesterday at the Grand Prix session because I didn't know who half the people were and nobody else did either. And I was like, where's Amanda when I need her? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't go over to that. I went, I mean, I went to it last year and it was like super awkward. So this year I was like, I don't know if I'm going to walk over there. (laughs) It's just weird to do like a meet and greet when like, I don't know, everybody kind of knows who everybody is, but uh yeah. <laughs> Did the how was the media turnout for that? You're pretty much looking at it. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I think there were a few other people there, but you know, I'm never afraid to walk around an event and throw a microphone in somebody's face. So <laughs> nice, good for you. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad something's going on with all of that stuff. I mean, like I said, people are definitely paying attention, but there's a lot of like squirrel brain that also happens with sea otter because people are running around everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it was in the middle of you know so many other events, and I think a lot of people had engagements or were watching races. So I don't. It, it was a hard time to. It's as fun as it is. The the Grand Prix kicks off here. It's also like in the middle of a lot of other things that are. It's it doesn't get dedicated to that so anyway well thanks so much for taking some time to chat today and um we're gonna try to catch the end of the race i think yeah yeah sounds good yeah it's good thanks Catherine. (laughs) you have been listening to the girls gone gravel podcast this podcast is edited and produced by the team at live feisty media if you've enjoyed the show please leave us a rating It really helps other women find the podcast and be sure to follow us at girls gone gravel on Instagram or Facebook.